Hey, you're on air with Ella, and it's Ella. Today is a solo show. If this is your first episode ever, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe dive into the feed and grab another one. There is a lot of family business in this episode, a little bit of catch up. We are talking about launching your successful young adult child. We are talking about an if-only perspective versus an at-least perspective. And I'm sharing a follow-up on that recent episode on oils and omega-3s. I'm giving you my take. All right. Oh, P.S. I cry a little. (laughs) Let's go. Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey. How are you? Tell me how you are and I'll wait. Okay, good. Well, one thing I know you are is I know you're here. And so for that, I am eternally grateful. I love, love, love having this time with you. And thank you. Thank you for spending some time with me. If you are new here, 96.78% of these shows are interview based. Today is not that. So if you want to start with an interview, you can just scroll through the 275 or so episodes here and find a great interview. This is me chatting a life update, a couple of things that I've learned recently that I wanted to share with you. And it's just me. So if that suits you, let's jump in. Um, life update. It is nearing the end of summer as I record this in real time. And I saw somewhere that August is like the Sunday of the months. (laughs) And I feel that in my bones, you know, it's like the last day of the week. Um, You have a little bit of the Sunday scaries kind of because you know, reality starts in September. There's that whole vibe. And I feel that every August. That's where I am right now. I'm so excited about what's going on for the rest of the year. It's not scary, but it's still some sort of wrap up feeling. Does that does and do you relate to that in any way? So I'm at the dusk of summer. Um, it's still hot as absolute blazes outside. So it's feeling very summery to me. Just got home from a quick trip to London and to Paris. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you know that the reason I made that trip was because we were dropping off our son for a year abroad. Now, my husband's English, so we stopped through England to visit family and then take our son to Paris for the year. And that was hard. Uh, I, I have several things I want to share with you about that, and I'll talk about them a bit in a minute. But I'm leaving today as I record this for California. So I'm not going to know what day it is, what time zone I'm in, nothing, nothing. And then when I get back, it is 100% full steam ahead, putting all the finishing touches together for the September 29th Miami Live Better Start Now Retreat. So I am really excited to have that to come back to. There are two seats left as I record this, and I did send my email list a special coupon. And if you DM me about it, I'll send it to you. Okay? All right. Let's jump in to some things that I wanted to chat with you about. 
The first thing that I want to talk about is the most recent episode that I did with Udo Erasmus. He is the founder of Udo's oil blend that we talked about, and we talked about omega-3 fatty acids. We talked about why some oils are absolutely terrible to cook with. Udo actually believes every single oil is terrible to cook with, and that is, I believe, the most recent episode in your feed. So if you haven't heard that yet, then not all of this will resonate, but you can come back to this. I told you when we did that intermittent fasting episode that I would do a follow-up on many of these health and wellness episodes where I let the guests obviously do their thing, talk about the thing that they are a subject matter expert on, but come back on and give you my take. So that's what I wanted to do now. I love interviewing experts and experts are very myopically focused on the thing they are an expert in. That's how you develop mastery, right? And Udo is 80 years young and in extremely great shape, looks wonderful, feels wonderful, and he lives what I would consider to be almost an optimal lifestyle from what I can see and what he says. And I'm out here not doing that. I am not eating raw. I am not eating absolutely fresh organic food every day and then gently, possibly gently cooking it. I wouldn't mind, but that's not where I am. So I wanted to give you my take on some of the gems from that episode that resonated with me and some of the things that I'm going to let go. So in no particular order, and by the way, I normally have an outline to help me keep my thoughts organized. I don't have an outline. You may notice... (laughs) And I apologize, but this, just pretend we're just hanging out, sitting in some comfy chairs, and, you know, I'm doing all the talking. Okay, so Udo blew my mind on several things. And then there are other things, like I said, I just cannot do. So I will continue to cook my food. I will even saute my food. I cannot eat 100% raw. I can't eat 80% raw. I have no desire to eat 70% raw. Raw vegetables and raw plants don't make my tummy feel good most of the time. So I wouldn't do that anyway. I don't think that's realistic for most of us out here living our best life. So I'm letting that go. However, I learned a lot and I want to share some of the things that I am taking on. So first of all, oil should not be stored in plastic. Many things we consume ideally would not be stored in plastic, like let's say bottled water. But I still drink bottled water and still will. Anyone who travels is going to find themselves drinking bottled water a lot of the time. If you've managed to live a life without it, I'm genuinely impressed, but I'm fessing up to you that is not going away in my life anytime soon, even though it is not a large part. Okay. Oil does not belong in plastic. I had two huge containers of MCT oil. It's coconut oil derivative. It's a derivative of coconuts, I should say. And MCT oil is something I bought in bulk when I was going through my bulletproof coffee phase. So that oil's got to be, I don't know, five years old, conservatively, five years old. And after that episode with Udo, I threw all of it away. I had two huge bulk bottles of it and I threw it away. I'm thinking that oil has been sitting in plastic for years, literally years, and I don't want it. I don't want to consume that plastic. If you remember from that episode, he was saying that oil leaches plastic even more so than water does. So I chucked that and I don't buy oil in um, plastic bottles, generally speaking, anyway. Most of you, I'm sure, are buying your olive oils, avocado oils, coconut oil in glass jars. Okay. The second thing is how interesting that we should keep our oil in the fridge. 
I thought that would hurt it. And if you listen to that episode, not true. So I will keep and do now keep my oil in the fridge. I did say that I will not stop sauteing, but I will go easier on cooking with oils and then add more oil after I cook. So two things I wanna note here, three actually. I'm going to resupply my Udo's oil because I really like his blend. Again, it's available in every natural health store you've ever been into and Whole Foods. It is pretty accessible in the United States, and then I don't know how accessible it is everywhere else, to be honest. And yes, you can get it on Amazon, and he told me that they have an arrangement with Amazon and an agreement on how Amazon handles it, but he didn't want to vouch for Amazon 100%. But that is still an option. Okay, and you keep Udo's oil in the fridge for sure. All right, going back to what I will do is I will go a little easier on cooking with oils and frankly, just use less and then add the oil after I've cooked the food. The oil is good for you. (laughs) The omega-3, 6, 9 blend, good for you. Olive oil, good for you. Coconut oil, um, I don't know. I keep getting mixed messages on that, but I have it. I use it. But the long and the short of it is I could probably use a lot less in the cooking and then uh, add it after. And then I am going to start adding the 369 blend just to my salads, just a little tiny, tiny bit. So anyway, the bottom line is I'm going to take what works for me. I'm going to try to do just a little bit better, start where we are, use what we have and do what we can. I'm so interested in what your takeaways were and anything that you learned or want to know more about. So let me hear from you. Okay, this is a complete pivot, but I want to share something with you that doesn't require its own episode, but really hit me profoundly. I was thinking of you when I heard it, and I thought, oh, I need to share this. I was listening to a podcast. I cannot credit the originator of this concept because I was listening to a podcast who was quoting someone else, and I don't remember any of the names, and I don't even know if the originator uh, was credited. So, disclaimer. This is not my original idea at all. This is the learning. There were two people having a dialogue about complicated familial relationships and setting boundaries and, you know, how to manage the complexities of communication dynamics, relationship dynamics when it's in your family, because these people aren't going away, (laughs) presumably. (laughs) And the person that was sharing the wisdom said, that there is an adage to keep people as close or as far to you as you can and still experience love. So to keep people as close to you or as far from you where you can still experience them from a place of love. So let's break that down. Let's say you have a difficult family member who will be in your life for the rest of your lives, but frequent contact tends to end in conflict or discord or some type of toxicity. And it is a good idea, perhaps, obviously always to look at your own boundaries, set your boundaries, be clear about them and remain consistent about them. But zoom out even from there and say, how close should I be keeping this person where I can still experience them in love, through love, with love. For some people, 
that will be months away, miles away. You know, maybe this is someone that you talk to one time a month instead of once every day, or you see them twice a year instead of every three weeks. Or maybe for some of you to experience that person and still feel love and still come from a place of love, maybe that's zero contact in the most extreme circumstance. And then for people where you have healthy, mutual respect, great dynamics, love, you know, they can be as close as close can be because you are able to keep them that close and still operate from a place of love. I just thought that was profoundly, profoundly useful and just something worth thinking about. So where in your life do you need to ask and answer, how close or far do I need to be to that person and still experience love? By the way, it obviously can apply to friendships as well. Okay, let's talk about international travel. Let's talk about travel. Let's talk about dropping your kid off in another country and coming home. Let's talk about all of it. All right, couple of things. One of them is, I'm so proud of myself. Can we please just high five on the fact that I went to two countries in a carry-on bag? (laughs) I mean, I wasn't in the carry-on bag, but I took just a carry-on. I was so proud of myself. Now, that was entirely born out of necessity because my son needed to take everything he needed for a year. So all of our baggage allowance was used up on him, obviously. But uh, I've never done that before. And it was blissful. And I'm going to do it forever and ever and ever until I don't. It's 10 times easier to do in the summer than it is in the winter, uh, because your clothes are simply lighter. But I just had a two color base. Actually, it was like black and white and pink. So everything matched. You could, it, it was essentially a capsule wardrobe, and you could mix it all up. But I am not like a crazy overpacker because I move around too much. However, I sometimes like to pack options. Can you relate to that? And in this case, I could not afford to pack options. So I had to commit. And honestly, it was wonderful. Now that said, my husband was already over in Europe, and my son and I went over there together. And we had basically the baggage equivalent of a steamer trunk for him. I mean, it was whatever the baggage allowance is, it was one feather underneath that limit. So it was like 49.99 pounds. And then plus he had a, had a normal suitcase and then we had our carry-ons. So we were schlepping when we got there. However, this is not a story about luggage. I just think Casey, who I recently interviewed on international travel, would be so proud of me. By the way, Casey is in her 30s. A bunch of you who listened to that long-term travel episode thought she was like a 21-year-old influencer. The woman is in her 30s. She just sounds really young. <laughs> Anywho, okay. We went over to England. We actually went England, France, England. That was the trip. And we had such a beautiful time. Uh, we obviously reunited with my husband. And then we went over to France. And the three of us were able, I think the first day we walked 8.6 miles. The second day we walked seven miles. We just, we saw a lot of Paris in two and a half days. And Paris is one of those cities, I want to say, within a three mile radius, you can see so many things. So we just created memories all over that city, which was a wonderful, wonderful thing to do before the send off. Now, practical tip, this doesn't matter if your child is going abroad or if your child is going to college, but if you have children over the age of 18, particularly in the United States, actually, I only can speak 
for the United States. It is extremely wise to go to an attorney and for $200, $300 in most cases, have power of attorney and medical power of attorney signed over to the parents. What does that mean? I'm not going to give you the legal definition. What it means is if your child runs into any trouble, then you can be involved. Because once your child is over 18, I'll use a real life example. Our friend's son went to college he was over 18, and he had a very, very severe injury. It required surgeries. He was completely blitzed, totally out of it, and he was going to school out of state. So one of his parents flew to go see him, and nobody would talk to him. Nobody would tell the dad what was going on. Nobody would speak about the son, the patient, at all. When he produced medical power of attorney, the doctors immediately started speaking with him, told him everything he needed to know. He was able to have rational conversations with them about the best path forward, blah, 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 blah. Without that form, he would have been completely left in the cold because of the laws around privacy and HIPAA in the United States of America. I do not know how this works in other places. It's worth looking into. It took my son 15 minutes to go to a local attorney and get that form signed and to put it in the safe. So hopefully we never need to pull those things out, but if we do, they're there. So that's just a little pro tip that I recently learned. That might actually be worth sharing with your friends and family who might be sending kids off to university right now. Okay, switching gears. So I posted some photos from our trip on Instagram and the very last photo, I can't, I can't look at it. I can hardly describe it to you without crying, so sorry. But the last photo is of my son waving as he walks into the building. And that was us saying goodbye to him. He is walking into his temporary housing. And you all felt my heart, those of you who are connected to me on Instagram. And I just want to say, I know this is so cheesy and Instagram is so stupid, but one of the things that I absolutely love about it is the connection that I have with those of you that I have it with, meaning the four people that follow me on Instagram. I know you by name and I feel like you know me and you see all these behind the scenes in my life and you were so sweet and just covered me in love and I appreciate that so much. And by the way, for those of you who just like cannot... (laughs) (laughs) I promise I'm not going to be self-indulgent here. I just want to share some thoughts with you. I am not pretending like sending your child to Paris for a year abroad is the equivalent of watching your child deploy to the Middle East. Okay, so if I sound like I'm conflating this with some sort of tragedy, I'm absolutely not. In fact, I have a very close, dear family member who will be deploying again soon. And I actually um, can really relate hard to what it's like to release someone into the unknown and, you know, not know what's going to happen between then and the time that you see them again. At the same time, I think it's important to honor our feelings, right? Is my son so lucky to be having this experience, spending a year abroad. Yes. By the way, public service announcement. Sometimes we think that opportunities are beyond us. But my son goes to an in-state school and his spending a year abroad is the same tuition as it would be if he were in this in-state school. Now, school in the United States of America is still absurd. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It's no bargain. 
However, a lot of times in life, we opt out of things because we think they are not for us. And we tried really hard to encourage our son to always seek out the opportunities that spoke to him, that he connected with, that he thought would be fun and interesting, and then figure out a way to make it happen. In this case, it happened to be very accessible and doable. So that's just a little aside. Now, let's go back to the day we dropped my son off. (laughs) I really just wanted to share with you my coping mechanism in case it can be of service, of value to anyone else. And it's just a reminder and one that I keep saying to myself over and over again, successful parenting ends in heartbreak to a degree because successful parenting is creating autonomous, you know, independent functioning adults who want to live in the world and have adventures how they define them, not how you define them, by the way, their adventure might be big and it might be small, but it's their adventure. And our job, of course, is to nurture and to even challenge them and then to equip them for life on their own. So when you've done it right, my dear, the loss is yours. And here's the beautiful thing. And this is what I say to myself when I walk by my son's empty room. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Oh, you guys get this. Okay, so I had to have a little time out for just a second. So I had myself a little cry and my son called me. We talked for three minutes. He's on his way to do something fabulous. And I just thought, oh, the universe is such a brilliant, lovely, wonderful thing. So I thought you might enjoy that. Um, I want to talk to you about calls and texts, though. When your child flies the nest, If you are texting them once an hour or they you, that might not be the best sign of their autonomy, independent adventuring. (laughs) What I am gently trying to say is we were very, very clear uh, with our son that we would text him when it was convenient for us to do so. And there was absolutely no obligation on his part to return that message, especially when you're six hours apart for practical reasons. But my son tends to be very, very responsive. And I think he almost feels, um, I think he's accommodating us when he does that. And I know a lot of you are like, yeah, that's not the situation with my kid. (laughs) You know, you're lucky if you get like a check mark. But um, any way you flip it, I do not want my son out there in the world on his phone, A, responding to his parents, B, or feeling like he has to touch base with us for our emotional neediness in any way. So we tried to be super, super clear about that. And phone calls are few and far between and tend to be very, very short because they've got to get out there. They've got to get out there and do their thing. And I do not mean this as a criticism in any way, though, but I know how easy it is, of course, now to stay in constant contact. Now, for safety reasons, we are communicating with him over WhatsApp so we can see when he has read a message, because that makes me feel better. When he's on another continent, I like to know that he is seeing messages, not because of the messages, because it's like, okay, he's there, (laughs) you know? So for example, just again, for purely safety reasons, if I notice that messages went unreceived for 24 hours, that is a signal to me that something is not normal, all right? So I like seeing those double check marks. However, My point to you is this. Think about when you left your parents' home. 
I mean, I don't know how old you are, but back in the 1900s, we called home once a week from college from a hallway phone. (laughs) And then eventually, because you know progress, from our room with our long distance code, and it costs money. Do you remember that? Or are you from another generation? (laughs) Being in constant contact with your parents was A, not desirable, at all, B, not possible, and C, when it happened, it was expensive. I don't think it's natural to be in touch with your child 24-7. I don't. I don't think it is. I would love your take on that. (laughs) So anyway, where am I? Communications boundaries. Oh, before I had like a little mini meltdown with you live, I was telling you that the mantra that I keep repeating that is keeping me sane and adjusted, by the way, is it's not about you. So I don't mean this in a cold way to myself, but when I walk by my son's room and try not to get teary or when a picture pops up on my phone or if somebody asks me how it's going and then, you know, inside I'm like, ah, it's not about me. Launching your children is not about you. My son's adventure right now is his adventure. And far be it from me to attach my emotions and my needs to anything he is doing. Now, does that mean I dial out as a parent and I don't care because it's not about me? Um, No. (laughs) No. Am I one of the largest influencers in his life? I certainly hope so. Do I help? Do I guide? Do I answer questions when I'm asked? Of course I do. What I'm trying to share with you is that when I get a little bit sad, I just think, this is not about me. This is about successfully giving our people the platform to launch. And that focus feels so much better in my body. Am I on Instagram watching his stories every 10 seconds? Yes. (laughs) But he doesn't know that. See, just when you think I start to sound holier than thou, I'm keeping it real. (laughs) And I always, always will. The long and the short of it is, if you find yourself in a position, maybe it's with your spouse, and they really are passionate about something, and it makes you feel untended to or needy in some way, you know, there is some value in asking yourself, am I trying to make this about me? And am I being fair to do that? Now, just like anything, this can be taken to the nth and be corrupted. And I hope you understand the spirit with which I say it. So if anyone else is going through this, I am here for you. (laughs) If you want to chat, DM me and I will give you the pep talk of your life. Okay, or we'll just, you know, send voice texts to each other of us crying. Okay. I'm going to pivot from my non-penny party. I had another realization that I just wanted to share with you, and it sounds so overly simple because it is, but it's still so true. And that is, I was thinking, you know, thank God we taught our son to make his bed when he was, I mean, six, you know, his little little bed. Um, And then he's been making his bed as long as I can even remember. And he does his own laundry. He does a great many things for himself that I know are often done by the parents. And so I was really grateful that we did those things so that he could take care of himself. Like, I, I don't even worry about that sort of thing at all. Here's the truism. What you teach them how to do for themselves, they will do. What you don't, they won't. And that was staring me in the face when I realized, 
oh my gosh, he's going to be in this apartment on his own. And I've never taught him how to cook. I mean, his grandmother, his English grandmother has taught him how to cook a few things. And I have taught him how to assemble. So he's not going to starve. (laughs) He can assemble a meal. But I didn't teach him how to cook because I don't know how to cook. So that didn't happen. He also, I realized I'm sending him off and I'm like, I turned to my husband, I'm like, my God, he doesn't know how to tie a tie. (laughs) This felt important. And it's so funny when you're faced with the stark reality of what you teach them to do for themselves, they will, they will. And what you don't, they won't. So if you have children at home and you are still in the process of raising them, I would encourage you to think about what you are doing for them that should be done by them. You're not helping them if your goal is to launch an independent human. And also, if any of my Parisian listeners, and I know you're out there because you've been messaging me and I love you, anyone there, can you meet up with my son at a local cafe and teach him how to tie a tie? That would be so great because I failed. All right. I hope you don't feel that I've been too self-indulgent. I feel a little self-indulgent, but I just wanted to share my deep and meaningfuls with you as I was experiencing them. And I have one more observation that is universally applicable. And again, it's about relationship dynamics and communications and really mindset. And it was just a realization that I had. And then I was listening to a book um, on social psychology, and it gave me words for what I wanted to share with you. And that was, I just came off of all over the place, international travel during the summer from hell when it comes to aviation. I mean, commercial travel right now is absolutely bonkers. I love that I just said commercial. Sorry, that's the nature of the beast of the industry that I work in. But like, what am I flying private? (laughs) Not lately. Um, What I mean is, if you've been in an airport in the past three months, you feel me. You already know. I won't even go into it. It is God awful. But anyway, when my son and I landed in England, there was, I want to say there was a tube strike that day. No, there was a train strike that day, then a tube strike the next day, the metro, the underground. And so when I tell you it was chaotic, and then remember, we have this trunk size suitcase, we actually call it the refrigerator, that you could keep a body in, like no problem, a a body and all of your clothes, like it would all fit. It's that big. And I have a busted right arm. And my son has a busted left wrist. (laughs) Okay, so needless to say, like us getting from A to B was an event, I tell you. And at one point, we finally got on the tube and we had to go 26 stops to get to our location. And you know, it's like a thousand degrees, bodies everywhere, people piled on top of each other. It was just, we were bananas. And it was fine. We were fine. And then the day we met up with my husband, we were meeting him at a train station, and there was that was the day of the tube strike. And so you couldn't get anywhere. (laughs) So we were staying at Tilly's home. She wasn't there, so no car. And we were just crashing at her place. And we had to figure out how to get to this train station, and calling a car took an hour and a half. I'm just trying to tell you it was chaos. You get the picture a little bit. When we met up with my husband, we met in a very, very crowded train station. All these families are going on holiday for the last two weeks of their summer, and it was just bananas everywhere. Now, what's my point? All three of us 
we're fine. We are not angels. We are not perfectly tempered all the time. Well, my son is like remarkably good natured, but my husband and I are obviously human and we get grumpy. We get low blood sugar. We get whatever. But in general, the three of us just rode this out. I was reflecting on that and I was feeling very, very grateful for that because I came from a family of six. And when we traveled, I mean, we couldn't travel to dinner without somebody getting beat up in the backseat. Each other, peer to peer, kid to kid. If we took a road trip in the gigantic station wagon that we took road trips in, like my parents were stressed, everybody was mad at everybody. You know, my brothers and I would hold like one finger out and not touch the other one. Like we were, we were a caricature. We were a stereotype of an idiotic American family in the 80s. And I realized something about the whole experience. Despite the circumstances, we tried to flow through it and we all maintained like a healthy um, optimism. And again, that's not my that's not my constant nature. Here's why I think it flowed. I was reading about this concept and it's counterfactual thinking. Counterfactual thinking is when you reflect on something differently than the actual circumstances were. And you can do that with one of two responses in this example. You have if only people, and you have at least people. You have people who say, gosh, if only it wasn't cloudy, if only there wasn't a tube strike, if only we could get a car. And then you have at least people. At least it's not raining on us. Oh, thank God. Can you imagine dealing with this if it was raining? Oh, at least we did not lose our seats because they're not overbooked. Oh, at least our baggage ended up with us. Thank God we got our baggage. That's a small miracle. Oh, at least the trains are on time. That's absolutely amazing. Oh, at least we are all together. Now, I am an if-only person and an at-least person, and I think almost everybody is when it comes to different and varying circumstances. If-only people, frankly, that mindset can, in fact, be useful. If-only can be useful when you can control the circumstances. I'll give you a real-life example. If only I hadn't had that third cocktail last night, I would feel a bit more like getting up this morning. If only I had saved more aggressively, then I would be in a better position now. If only can be very useful if you can learn from it in circumstances that you can control. So we're not throwing that baby out with the bathwater. You can take that lesson and you can learn from it and you can do differently. But when circumstances are out of your control, and travel, of course, is one of those in many, many incidences, or in any situation where it doesn't go exactly as planned or the outcome wasn't exactly what you had hoped for. Try at least. At least, at least we got to have this experience. That was cool. This is not toxic positivity. This is gratitude. Again, not my natural instinct all the time. I will never pretend to you otherwise. I happen to be with people who are like that more naturally than I am. And then I had an experience counter to that, where I was with a group of people, and it was all about every single thing that's wrong in the world, um, everything from, I mean, all the big issues, okay? <laughs> They're not wrong, right? But the whole evening was about everything that's wrong. And that is what made me realize that I want to be an at least person way more than an if only person. It's not about settling for the bare minimum. I want to be really clear about that. It's about appreciating all of the things that go right for you every single day. And if you have an if only, 
and you can control the circumstances, then what are you going to do differently? So that is the last thought that I wanted to share with you today. Thank you for spending this time with me. I appreciate you so much. If you want to see pictures of my travels, hop on over to Instagram. And if you want to join me in Miami, two seats left, check out onairella.com. Love ya. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no with, it's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.